Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm talking with former Special Forces military veteran Jeremy Locke, who nearly took his own life in December of 2020. Thankfully, through the love and support of his wife, Brittany Turner, Jeremy found a renewed purpose. He is now the co-founder and chief of special operations for Aerial Recovery, which is an international disaster response nonprofit whose mission is to save lives, eliminate confusion, maximize support, and accelerate recovery. Jeremy draws from his military background to plan and lead effective responses in the most difficult areas of the world. Aerial Recovery has also established the Heal the Heroes initiative, which helps to heal and repurpose over 100 veterans per year to be able to utilize their skills in meaningful, life-saving work in areas that need it most. In this episode, you'll learn about Jeremy's unbelievable story from military service to battling inner demons to finding his purpose in living a meaningful life, why vulnerability is not weakness, but a sign of strength, and it is a critical component to healing past trauma, and how business can be used as a force for good, and why donating to causes like aerial recovery are a critical component to make the world a better place. A few more things before we get to today's interview. First off, Jeremy has something really special for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's sharing a special report titled The Green Beret Mindset. The Green Berets, known for their exceptional adaptability, resilience, and precision, have honed a mindset that equips them for the most challenging missions on the planet. Inside this report, you'll learn the principles that form the bedrock of their success with the intent of arming you with the tools to forge a battle-proof lifestyle that empowers you to achieve your life's mission to its fullest potential. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 153. Lastly, I have a favor to ask. Aerial Recovery is fighting every day to eliminate human trafficking through continuous reconnaissance and rescue missions. To date, they have rescued over 7,500 lives across 20 countries. But to continue this vital work, they need as much help as they can get. I'm asking my community to step up and support their cause. I've set a goal to raise $100,000 for Aerial Recovery to fund anti-human trafficking rescues in the next 30 days. If you have the ability to give, please visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash rescue to make a donation today. Every dollar counts and any amount is appreciated. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And without further delay, my conversation with Jeremy Locke. 
What's up, Jeremy? So glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Uh, really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited because this is the first time I have ever officially had a husband-wife duo on the, the episode. We have one other husband-wife duo that is kind of in the lineup, in the queue to be on with the Poolins. They started a company called Lady Boss, and I interviewed Kaylin Poolin uh, and just spent some time on Lake Powell with them. And so I'm going to interview her husband, Brandon, but that one has not been recorded. So you and Brittany Turner are officially my first couple that has gotten recorded here with two separate podcast episodes. So for anyone that hasn't heard the Brittany Turner podcast on the aerial BVI and the island that she bought and all the real estate that she's up to and just the twists and turns of her crazy life of going from living in a car to being one of the most successful and wealthy real estate tycoons, not just female real estate tycoons, like of all people, I think number one in the Southeast, it's incredible. And I have heard so much about you. I got a chance to go to Ariel Island, you know, to the Ariel and hang with her and hang with a bunch of the staff. And I'd heard about you. You were out of town. And so it's so nice to connect and just get to know you prior to hitting record. Yeah. Well, thanks, Justin. I hope we set a, uh, a good precedent for the first husband and wife podcast but as we move forward. But I could not be more proud of my wife, Brittany. She's a true staple of building and creating wealth so you can be a force for good in the world. And it was a, a no-brainer when I met her and saw all the amazing things that she's doing to team up with her, not just in in life, but also in purpose. So it, she's a beautiful person, beautiful soul on a beautiful mission. Oh, it's so cool. And and it's so synergistic, the things that you guys are doing together. You know, so I've had the luxury of being on your island, just experiencing the most beautiful surroundings, having food that nourished my soul, but is incredibly healthy, just all kinds of all the health hacks, all the biohacking hacks, everything that's that's out there, it seems like you guys have figured out. And then when I learn more about what you're doing, I was just blown away. And so before we get into what aerial recovery is, and we're for sure going to touch on that, I'd love to learn more about your story and just thank you publicly because you served our country for many years. I admire those that can serve. My brother served in the Army for seven years, a couple different tours. I decided to go the business route, and I think that was a much better fit for me. But I mean, my brother grew up. My brother is like a totally different person today in a very good and powerful way. And I'm just always impressed with those that can choose to serve our country first. Yeah, well, thank you. And um, and I, I'm always excited now, and this is something I had to learn, to be able to share my story. Because as with all of us, we have, we have different trials, we have good and bad in our lives. But I think more so for our veteran community, the uh, highs and lows are way more extreme. And we come out of a, a culture that being vulnerable or talking about your feelings, I call it the F word, it's very frowned upon. And uh, we internalize and we hold all this stuff inside of us and it really starts rotting us from the inside. So any opportunity I get, this is an amazing opportunity to be on here and on your, on your podcast with you, Justin, to really tell my story. It's therapeutic and healing for me. And I hope it inspires others that are listening to to talk about the stuff that they want to talk about, to talk about the things that are difficult for them and, and to really show vulnerability because there is strength in vulnerability. So this is a huge opportunity for me, for me and I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and to talk about the F word, feelings. 
And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I think in, in masculine culture, it's, you know, for, for years it's been frowned upon. It's you're looked at, or it's, it's, you feel like you're weak if you express feelings or have feelings. And that's just not true. I know that that is kind of even instilled in many of those that I know that have served, you know, so let's talk about the military, especially special forces, which you're part of. And so, yeah, I, I love that you can buck the trend and say, no, actually, real men are vulnerable. Real men can talk about it. And in fact, in order to live a healthy life, you have to be able to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, like you're saying, it's so frowned upon and and to be masculine, right? Like you, you can't talk about it. And that's absolutely something that I, I'm a huge proponent of. And it's something that I've almost recently discovered in in, uh, in what we're doing now with Arrow Recovery. But I'll give a little bit of background on me. And I'm originally a West Coaster uh, from uh, Portland, Oregon. I grew up in a uh, in a household that is very loving, but there was, uh, there was a lot of alcohol involved in it, which came into uh, a big story of my life later on. And uh, my grandfather was a World War II veteran. He uh, came down to kind of assist with our situation when we were growing up, my younger sister and I. And I always respected him. He was an Irish immigrant that came in and just uh, tough as nails. But he was always a gentleman, right? And that's something that I, I really picked up on, on just being being there to to help people in need and opening doors and walking on the correct side of the street, all that stuff he really instilled in me. And, and I was inspired by him to... Uh, to join the military, you know, I, I didn't have it rough compared to a lot of people, but like I said, I, I had a very protective instinct because of the amount of alcohol that was in my household when I was younger. And I spent a lot of time protecting my sister. And I think that kind of led me into, to join in the military. And, and I did that in, in 2001, uh, I joined the U S army and went right off to, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. I went through infantry school and, uh, you know, before I knew it, I was out in, in Virginia and doing my first deployment to Africa and, you know, it was a great time. I uh, I saw a lot of people that were in need, but there was kind of a theme that kind of that went through and followed me throughout my career, which was I'm a soldier, so I have a mission that the army and that the military is imparting on me, right? And when I was out in Africa, that was to kind of protect these doctors and veterinarians that are doing work out there. But in doing that, I was exposed to new cultures. I was exposed to people that were that are in extreme poverty. And there was a lot of people that were there that I was was not able to help just because it wasn't my mission, you know, and it was kind of okay. I was younger. I didn't really quite connect these dots till a little bit later. And then I went out to Germany. I remember I got to this point where I was deciding if I was going to stay in the army or not. This is about 2006 time frame. And my best friend at the time, uh, William uh, Fritchie, we decided to go out to Germany together, right? You can do these things where you can reenlist and you can go to a duty station together. We went out there and I went, ended up going about a month later than him. Him and his wife headed out, and they went out and deployed out to Afghanistan. And uh, myself and my wife at the time, we were, arrived about a month later, so I went to a different theater than him. So I remember I was out in training in Grafenwehr, Germany, and there's a newspaper that, that we have. It's called The Stars and Stripes. So I'm sitting there in the chow hall getting ready to train, and I open it up. And, and on the second page, as you open it, they have a, a section. It's called Faces of the Fallen. And these are tributes to uh, those that have our soldiers that have been lost in combat. And Ryan's picture was right there. So my best, best friend that I had deployed with had been killed in Afghanistan. And this was the first I was hearing about it because I was in training. And that was a uh, that was a real kind of a turning point in my life. And this is where one of those things that I talk about that we internalize 
because I had talked him into reenlisting and I had talked him into coming to Germany. So I, and I felt this sense of, of extreme guilt and it was a point in my life where I, you know, I was raised well, so I was always a, a good kid and I wanted to do positive things, but I started having a different fuel inside of me. I had guilt inside of me. I had rage. I had anger. And unfortunately, when I deployed out to Iraq after that, that was something that I brought with me. And, and um, you know, I was out there for, for revenge. And in the culture that I was in, in the infantry and the army, like that's a fuel that they love you to have, right? Because that's what gets these soldiers out there and going. So it was kind of a, it's a very difficult, difficult period for me out there. Um, that trip in Iraq, I saw, you know, I saw many things that I didn't want to have to see. I did many things I didn't want to have to do. And a lot of it was just kind of from a very negative space, right? So I get back from a 15 month tour. So I always brush over that, but that was 15 months that I did in Iraq. I get back and, and when I get back, I remember going to my, my friend's wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. And uh, everybody keeps coming up to me. They're like, Jeremy, like, how are you doing, man? Like, are you okay? And I was like, this is about Ryan. They're like, no, no, no. We're just checking on you. Everything fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Right. And I find out later on, everybody but me knew that pretty much the entire time I was deployed, my, my wife was cheating on me at that time. Right. So and I was like, unbelievable. Right. So I get back. I lost my best friend. I lost my, my marriage was, you know, crumbling, falling apart. It was all these, these weight. All this stuff is coming in and I'm internalizing, internalizing, internalizing. And I remember thinking and back to my childhood and even though there was alcohol in my family, right? I, I remember my family members being happy when they were drinking. And uh, and that's kind of when I started drinking back then. And it led to this whole series of events in my life where I was looking back on it. I was a functional alcoholic for about 12 years of my life while I was in the military. And that was basically a self-medication that I was using to suppress these, these feelings, the F word and all these anger issues that I was having inside of me. And, um, it ended up working short term, but it, it affected so much of my life as I moved forward. And, and I got to the point, you know, where I didn't know what I was going to do. I was really kind of a lost guy. And, and I remember being out in, in, uh, in one of my trips to Iraq and I had seen this, this group, I was out with this, uh, this sniper team and we we're on this rooftop and these guys show up and they got these beards and tattoos and, all these cool guns and they're, they're sitting there like, Hey, you know, what's going on up here? And we're like, yeah, we're doing overwatch watching this. We can't really see here. And he's like, Oh, we'll just blow a hole in this wall and we can send your sniper rifle there. And you'll have good. And I was like, man, these guys are, these guys are pretty cool. Who are these dudes? You know, and it turned out they were a bunch of green berets. So I was like, I had that in my mind. I was like, man, I want to be one of those guys one day. So that's what I did. You know, I had, uh, I had a lot of these negative things going on inside of me, but I still had that inspiration and I met some, some people that were doing great things, they had more to me what it seemed like more of an ability to do the missions that they wanted to do. And I went out and I tried out for special forces and I, I was fortunate enough to get selected after our they call it the two weeks in hell selection process, which is pretty terrible and miserable. But you know, anything hard in this life, once you do it and accomplish it, man, you feel great on the other side, right? So I did that and that's that started my journey and I became a Green Beret and 2012. And, um, and I went and that was like the next 10 years of, of my career in Fort Campbell and fifth special forces group was, as, was as a green beret. And it was a great time in my life. I had a lot of deployments, a lot of time in the back, but I, I still had that one habit that was drinking. And I, I spent so much of my time deployed that I felt like six months of good equaled six months of doing whatever I wanted to when I get back, because I had all those accolades, like I'm a, an elite soldier I'm out there fighting ISIS. I'm doing all these elite missions and these great missions, right? And 
And I was taking all this admiration and affirmation from people outside of me and ignoring how I was really feeling on the inside. And that led me to, uh, to just kind of this path without purpose. And to everybody else, it seemed like I had this amazing life and everything was going great, but I felt really terrible inside. And, and that's where, you know, I connected and that's where I met Brittany. I met her in, uh, in an airport in Nashville in 2018. And that was a, that was a great story. And I heard back from her about six months later and, and that was in 2019. And I got a chance to start dating her and she was introduced me to new things like Napoleon Hill and like all these, you know, rich dad, poor dad, like all these, like, I was like, wow, you know, that's got, those are cool concepts, but that's foreign to me. That's not me, you know? And she's like, no, you, there's so much you can do in this world. And she, she really kind of showed me what purpose was and that there is, there is a mission and purpose and it doesn't have to be assigned to you. And, you know, and, and my belief is, you know, mine was assigned by the military, but I want my mission and purpose to be signed by God. And that's really, and truly what she does. And it was uh, an amazing insight, but I, I still had that habit and I still had the inability to express things that I was feeling, which was, you know, festering inside of me. And, and you kind of fast forward in, um, 2019, there was hurricane Dorian. They hit the Bahamas and this, uh, hurricane was pretty unprecedented category five. And it sat installed over, uh, the Bahamas for about over 24 hours. And it was just complete devastation. I remember going to Nashville right before it hit and I could not get Brittany to go on a date with me. And I get up and I finally, I'm like, I'm coming to you. So I went to her office and she had her whiteboards up there. She loved whiteboard. And she had what looked like a mission plan to me. And it had Grand Bahama and Abaco and all that in there. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm planning on going to the uh, going to Bahamas to respond. And I was like, well, that's, that's great. I think I can do that. So I went and requested for leave. I was an active duty Green Beret at the time. I took a couple weeks of leave. I went with Brittany to Bahamas and I saw the devastation there. And I found a spot where like my skill set and my expertise was a hundred percent applicable there. And that's kind of where my, that mission really kind of made sense in my mind, right? Where I can, now I have something that I can do post-military, which is the big struggle for a lot of veterans. And you, you mentioned veteran suicide, and I really believe that's linked to purpose. Right now, it's every 84 seconds, a U.S. service member commits suicide. And it, the highest is that is in the special operations community. It's, it's unbelievable that that happens. And it's, it's, a, it's saddening. And, and unfortunately, after all of that that was going on, and me still struggling with alcohol and making promises to my now wife and my family that I'm going to quit drinking because it was really affecting me, I had a, a really bad episode in the end of 2020 where I had put my retirement packet in I had started going to this uh, this whole year-long program for this traumatic brain injuries I've had from explosions that I've been in. And in that program, I really got to kind of experience firsthand the breakdown in the system that helps veterans. Because when, when I went in, they connected me with a psychologist. And I'd never talked to a psychologist before. And maybe blame a little of this on, on, the, on COVID and everything being shut down. But I was speaking to her every two weeks. And the very first call I got to her... I talked to her. She asked me about to talk about some of these memories that I had, uh, some traumatic things that I and to really think about and try to bring them back up. And I brought up this time with her where I remember having to, we had these reports of this mass grave that, and uh, all these people that were ethnically cleansed. And we ended up digging up these, these bodies with our, our hands and our gloves. And I remember just seeing these like little kids' hands there and this, this image and that started coming back and how I was feeling. And, She's like, okay, we're going to talk about that, but our time's up. 
So I wasn't scheduled to talk to her for another two weeks, right? So after two weeks, I call her and I, and she's like, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing terrible. Like I'm, I'm having my, my PTS is, is coming back. I'm anxiety. I can't sleep. I'm, I'm drinking again. Like, cause these memories started popping back up and I didn't know, I didn't know how to deal with it. And she put me on prescription medication immediately that second call. So then I was on, uh, I was on Zoloft and I was on Xanax. Even at one point they put me on Adderall. And so all of this medication inside of me combined with the, the drinking and in December 6th, I stopped drinking. I thought again for the third time, I told my wife that I was done and I went out and I, I drank that night before again. And I woke up uh, the morning, December 6th in Nashville, Tennessee in the bottom of my downstairs, in my duplex. And I was, uh, I was going to kill myself that morning. And I, I had a whole plan for it. I, I took my Glock 19 out of the at the nightstand next to me. And I, I rehearsed this in my mind many times. And I was going to, uh, I was clean, acting like I was cleaning it. I was going to shoot myself in the, in the artery and femoral artery in my leg. And, and I was excited for it. And two things happened to me that morning. I, I didn't close my bedroom door all the way. And I, had, I had gotten Brittany a little great Dane puppy that I was going to give her for Christmas. And he had, his name is captain. And he pushed his way into the door and and he was looking at me and I was like, I was right about the pull the trigger. I was like, well, I got to do something with this dog. I can't do this now. So I took him into the bathroom, closed in. I got back and I was like, now I got to talk to my friend. Like I need someone to come take care of him. And I, you know, and I was thinking logistically. So I went and picked up my phone to message somebody to say, Hey, can you come by and, and check on uh captain? And I had a message from Brittany and that message read, you know, like I have a lot to do with my life. I have a lot of people that I need to help, but no matter what, I love you and I support you and I'm going to help you. It doesn't mean we, we, we may or may not be together, but it was this message of love. And, and it was, uh, it was that spark that I really needed. And that was December 6, 2020. And I went from, you know, about to, to end my life, like so many other veterans do that. That was the last day I've actually drank. And that was 995 days ago. And I'm 1000 days sober and five days after, uh, from what the, the day we are right now. And, and I'm living, it's not easy, but I, I'm living on mission and purpose now with my wife, helping veterans, working with veterans, inspiring them to get out of the out of the darkness and, and come and work and, and help in the life and that in the light. And that's what we're we're doing with aerial recovery, which has just been such a blessing in my life. And my wife has been such a blessing. And everything I've been through, I now understand that easy or hard, it's all shaped to where I am at today. And it's given me the exact skill set to be able to move forward. And, and, and helping helping these children and, and helping people after disasters. Wow, your your story is just incredible, and there's so many elements of it that are such successes, and there's so many elements of it that I just feel just deep down the pain and the anguish, and I know so many others that have struggled this way, especially those who have served our country. Uh, especially going through the traumatic experiences that they have. Do you love the podcast and the book and wonder what the next step should be on your lifestyle investor journey? For a limited time, my team is doing free personalized consultation calls to learn more about your goals and determine which of our courses or masterminds will help you get to the next level. Whether that's to make your first investment or to create your first income stream of passive income, or whether that's to achieve ultimate financial freedom. 
If you'd like to reserve a spot, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation to book a free strategy session while they're still available. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. I have no way to really relate. And so I always think about the movie Shawshank Redemption and how, you know, when the old guy was finally let out, like he he didn't know how to live life. Like th- that, w- it was a different world. He didn't have purpose or the purpose was different or he hadn't found out what that was going to be. And for him, it was just easier not to be part of it. Right. And so that's my closest comparison with those that have served, that have lived this radically different experience of life than I have and what it's like to have purpose, doing missions, helping people, rescuing, you know, supporting your brothers and sisters. And and so, yeah, there needs to be a place for those individuals to heal. And I think it's really cool. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about aerial recovery. So like knowing your story, this is the perfect story to transition into it because this, the aerial recovery is a place for those who have served, you know, in, in armed forces, served our country to be able to come and get the help that they need and, and, you know, to feel the love and to reestablish purpose and reestablish like a new life's mission, uh, not just a, an army mission or a green beret mission or, you know, some other branch of the armed forces mission. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, I know that it kind of brings down and it is a sad story, but it, you know, it's still a story of redemption. It's still a story. I get it right. I get to write my story every day and, and it's exciting. And, you know, I, I talk to these veterans all the time and I tell them, you know, like whatever happens to you, we always are in control because no matter what someone tells you, what experiences you go through, you get the ability to react to it in the way that you want to. So we are, we're always in control, right? And, and being able to know and, and marry Brittany and be introduced into the whole entrepreneur community, really, I, I equate entrepreneurs as kind of like the special forces of the civilian community because she, she recognized the problem. She recognized a problem that was happening to me, someone that she cared about and loved, and she said, let's fix it. And I'm like, well, I'm okay, well, who, who do we talk to? Who's, who's the expert in fixing it? And she's like, I don't know. Do you know anybody that's been working for it? Do you know any organizations that, are, that, it's, that has been, have been fixing the problem? I was like, no, they're not all, none of them were, they're not effective enough, right? We, have, we lose 84 every, day, every, sec, every 84 seconds, we lose a, a soldier. And she's like, well, let's do it ourselves. What's going on with you? Why are you feeling this way? What makes you feel better? And then let's do that and let's replicate it. And that's what we're doing at Aerial Recovery. And that's why I love my wife because that's the way she thinks. She thinks like an entrepreneur. And that's kind of what we're connecting. The um, recovery, I mean, we're veteran-led, but we're special operations-led. We have Rangers and Green Berets and Navy SEALs. And we have all these with the, the expertise and the mindset to get things done now. But when we are blended in with the entrepreneur to make that now a long-term sustainable impact and what are our second and third order effects. So it's it's a really cool concept in it. And our Heal the Heroes program is, I mean, I was I was veteran number one. We have a 107 veterans now of, of the military and first responder community who are in the program. We do 25 veterans every quarter. And it starts at this place. And you mentioned the ARLVVI. It's a place of wellness. It's a place of healing. It's a place of repurposing. And it, not only that, it's absolutely amazing. It was just, I think it was like Forbes top eight private islands to visit. It, it was just in travel leisure magazine. Like, you know, it's, it is an, an epic place to go. And if you really want to change your life, you got to step away from your life right now, go somewhere else, 
get in that right mindset set and space and then allow yourself to heal and be in a spot that promotes being vulnerable for lasting healing. That's what AeroBBI is. And that happens to be the phase one of our program. These veterans get to go out to a world-class private island in the British Virgin Islands, and they get just everything, right? They get the, the beautiful environment, the scenery, sound bowl therapies, equine therapy. They get all these amazing catered experience that designs their healing, and they get to grow again together as the platoon, as the 25. And then after that, they go into a 12-week program that I lead and mentor, and I, I basically just teach them the stuff that has gotten me where I am. And how to get out of that mindset of, just like you said, from, I think his name was Brooks in, in uh, Shawshank Redemption, right? He, he was institutionalized. And that's what it is. And that's what the military does, right? It, it's designed to keep you in it because it has a very important job. And once you're out of it, it's very difficult to realize that I thought I was this real special, I was a special operator. You know, I, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd been in Syria when all these Russians came across the border and fought them off. Like, I've done some cool things, and the moment I leave, boop, someone else is right there in my spot, and and the you know the war machine keeps rolling. Like it, it you know, it gives you that that sense of loss and purpose, and that's what we're trying to do is is get out of this mindset of what I did before is me, because that what you did in the past, like we can't live back there. The past is that's a place of reference, not residence, right? We have to live in the now, and we have to think about how the, what we're doing in the now is going to help us in the future. So we get a we get a redirect and. And that's what we're doing. And that program we do with the Heal the Heroes, it's a year long. And we, we, we inspire them to find their mission, what they want to do in life, and treat their life as a mission, not what they did before as their only mission, right? And uh, it's, it's been, I mean, it's been great. We've had, like I said, 107 veterans in the program now. We've had five confirmed suicide saves out of the program. And these operators, like we call them humanitarian special operators, these are the ones that then go do our missions. These are the ones that just left from Lahaina, Maui, and helped after the fires. Aerial Recovery and Our Healed Heroes were the first outside Hawaii organization that was inside of their help in the Lahaina Police Department. We were in, in Ukraine. We rescued over 7,500 people in Ukraine. We take these operators, we do undercover missions, and we rescue kids from, from sex trafficking. If they need a, a mission and a purpose, we, we've got it here at Aerial Recovery. But we, uh, we have that space to be vulnerable and to process. So no matter what we're doing, when we're done with it, we sit around in a, in a circle and we promote that. And there's no, you know, I, I'm like, you guys are, I'm giving you permission. I'm a, I'm a 20-year Army veteran, 10 years in Special Forces. I'm 260 pounds. I got tattoos all up my arms. I got a big old beard. And I'm telling you, it's okay to be vulnerable. So I think I finally give them that permission, man, because I'm like, I dare somebody to tell me to not be vulnerable, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. So that's really what we're trying to do is inspire them. Yeah, I love it. I love what you're building. You know, my uh, my, my neighbor and good friend, Chris Petkus, was uh, in, he was a special ops for Navy SEALs. It's Cody Sanchez's husband. And those two are just incredible. And so I've seen him make just incredible transitions back into civilian life, working for startups in some highly skilled operation roles, you know, having the opportunity to do some contracting work with the federal government, defense contracting, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it's great to see what is out there. But 
for a lot of people that doesn't exist until you kind of deal with your demons and kind of you have to work through a process of, of getting yourself straight and not, you know, everyone's journey is different. Everyone experiences different situations or, or maybe internalizes traumatic situations differently, right? And so I love that you've had 107 veterans go through this. Uh, no doubt hundreds, if not thousands more are going to go through this program. And the mission you guys have, and I just want to share this because I think it's powerful. So your aerial recovery mission is to save lives, eliminate confusion, maximize support, and accelerate recovery. And I think it's so cool. Not only are you healing on this side with the veterans, but you're going out on missions on the other side to help equip them and, and give them purpose and fuel and uh, to be able to go uh, do great things in the world. And I want to talk about some of the other work you're doing because it's really easy to, to just talk about the current catastrophe going on. And, and that is a shame. And I love that you guys are helping out there in Maui and Lahaina. And you guys have done a lot of work like this for, you know, a lot of natural disasters and a lot of, you know, oppressed people, countries that are oppressing their own people or oppressing other people. But there's another special group that you work with, and that's rescuing children out of uh, sex slavery. Maybe it's just, you know, straight slavery, but it's most certainly including sex slavery. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because this is a mission near and dear to my heart. I've brought on Love Justice International. I'll be bringing on Tim Tebow and his foundation. And one of the things that our family loves to support is this, anything that fights and combats human trafficking, which I think is one of the greatest evils of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and those are those are great organizations. And thank you so much for, for supporting them. And, and the while we do a few different things at Aero Recovery, Ending human trafficking is what we want to do and what we want to be known for in the end. And we've uh, we've just put a lot of time and effort in planning the way that we do it because we firmly believe that these veterans, the ones that are writing themselves off, they're the ones that are really capable of conducting these missions in austere environments that you have to do undercover skills that we learn with some of the schools we go through. And you just, you have to be fearless. And that, those, so we have, we're getting the operators to go do them and we have been doing them. Uh, Tim Ballard is is one of our, our board members, and he's my mentor in this space. I I met him, you know, and we talk about that. I, I nearly took my life in December of 2020. I met him about a month later in January, and two days after meeting him, I was in Uganda chasing down a witch doctor who was committing these child sacrifice rituals and child mutilation, and it's really heavy stuff. But the reason we went there is we got an image while we were in BVI and we're talking to Tim, their contacts out there had sent us an image of these severed heads of four children. This courier had found them. And we took that in and we were out there immediately because that's that's where we need to go. That's where, where we need to help and serve. And going out there and I started planning that mission and I'm, I'm working with Tim and, and he always tells everybody, he's like, Jeremy, you're like the most in-depth planner I've ever met. Like you're you're a great briefer. I was like, yeah, that's how we do things in special operations. And uh, he's like, this is fantastic. So we've been working with Tim and for the last, you know, nearly three years now, and we don't even really announce it, but we've been out conducting child rescue missions. We've been all over the world doing this. And I was just in Colombia myself last, last month. And we did four separate operations in Colombia. We rescued over 20 women and children. Six of those were minors. We took down 10 traffickers. 
And right now I have this amazing opportunity because I, I'm currently in Mexico City right now with Tim Ballard and he's going around and he's promoting the movie, The Sound of Freedom, which even though, you know, it's been very politicized, but at the end of the day, that movie is bringing awareness to a cause that people don't talk about. They really don't. It's the second largest criminal enterprise in the world. People, number one, they don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable or two, they just don't know about it. And this movie has been such a blessing because it has given us access. So I'm in Mexico City. We'll, we'll go to a screening and then I get connected to all these amazing top officials that want to help more. And now we're, hey, you know, aerial recovery is right here. We're getting those contacts and leads and we're opening up an enormous amount of potentials and operations. I've, I've got two meetings with presidents in Central America coming up and and uh, very excited about those. And it's been such a blessing to be able to to take a motion picture about a, an amazing man, a great uh, near and dear friend and mentor to me about him and, and seeing that impact in his life work and his mission and his purpose and how that's finally bringing some more much needed awareness to this cause. And it, it's, it's great. Well, I, I love what you're doing. I love that you're with Tim right now and uh, definitely tell him I said hi and, and his, his movie has had tremendous and profound impact on me and so many others. I mean, if you haven't seen Sound of Freedom yet, go see it. I mean, the movie is incredible, but just the exposure of what's going on, I think is really eye-opening. I think most people don't know how bad it is and, and don't realize like there's more slavery today than at any point in human history, like right now today. That is pretty crazy to think about. And Jim Caviezel's depiction of Tim Ballard in this movie was just wonderful. It was just so well done. You know, it's neat at the end kind of seeing some of uh, the real photos and clips of, of Tim. But yeah, th these are real missions that are really going on with people like you, like your organization, you know, from aerial recovery. And you're just out there doing great work. And, uh, you know, it's interesting for me. It's, it's very humbling because I'm on the financial end of it, you know, and, and not on the activist or actually, you know, operator end of it. And it's crazy to think about all that has to go into it. I can't even imagine if I were doing what you do. So I'm so appreciative for it that, I mean, it's, it is an operation in itself and you're giving purpose to so many other veterans that can help create beauty in the world, saving, you know, creating real, human life freedom for people that had it stolen from them. And uh, yeah, I just want to honor you and thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you. And, you know, in order to really make an impact on, on this, you know, we have human traffic. It's just unprecedented. Like you said, there's, there's more people enslaved currently today than there was in, in all the history and all the transatlantic slave industry. More than that, we're looking at, you know, over nearly 50 million people that are in, in bondage right now. And it, specifically to human trafficking is over 25 million and 25% of those are children. And while my team, we have the, the expertise and on the operations side, you know, I, I always equate it to this and, and people, they all, people minimize the, the, the effect of financial, of, of the finances to get the operations done. But it, it is, it is so needed. And we thank you so much for it. And I, I used to, I, I always tell a story, you know, when I was a special operator, I had to, I had the United States government and the United States Special Operations you know, behind me. I used to go to literally a window at one of the bases 
whether this is in Syria or Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever, they have a disbursement office. And I would go sign out a bag of like $100,000 and I would go out and I would conduct my mission to go get bad guys or whatever and then come back with my receipts and give it back to them, right? Like it's that. And I was, now I'm out here trying to, I'm like, I've got 20 kids right now. I know where they are. I don't have the funding to do it. I'm like, where's the window with the, the guy with the bag of money? Like, I got to go rescue these kids. Being able to be on here, um, you helping um, promote what we're doing. And we are actively going out there. We sit down undercover in front of cartels in Mexico, in front of gang members in Central America, acting to be these bad guys and these pedophiles and these traffickers ourselves to get them to let us know where the children are. And then we have doing working with the police and the government and we do these elaborate sting operations and we physically get these kids out of there. And it's, it's very dangerous work, but we are willing to do it. And Oh, by the way, and utilizing, utilizing the skill sets we thought were all for nothing. Now we're making an impact on the most heinous thing that happens in this world right now. And it's, so there's no way my operators and my veterans can't be motivated to go do this type of stuff. Well, it, it's a great partnership because I don't have the skills or the courage uh, or, or, or the know-how to do what you do. And you are in need of the finances because you don't have the government backing you. You don't have big bags of cash. And so uh, I just think this is such an incredible way to support charitable giving and I just believe that we're all blessed so much here. If, if you are listening to this podcast, if you are watching this video on YouTube, then you're in a position where you are a top 1% of the world. You are blessed beyond comparison. And most people don't think about it that way or realize it, but any amount helps. And it doesn't have to be a big amount, but big amounts help too. And so I just want to say that, you know, this is where, so all the proceeds of the Lifestyle Investor book, everything that that has ever sold and would have never in a million years thought that this book was going to become as big as it has and become a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller and USA Today bestseller. And and as of 2023, a top 1% of all books ever sold, uh, which is just nuts to think about based on volume, based on uh, revenue. And so all of those proceeds have gone to fight human trafficking effort, 100% of them. Yeah, it, it, and really, it's just, it, it's cool to see the impact that that can have. And um, I just want everyone to know that your organization is one that I am donating to. And I just really would love to give anyone else a nudge or permission. I mean, go see Sound of Freedom if, if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, that operation is exactly what Jeremy is talking about. Like, that's what he and his team do. And so I'd just love to call attention to anyone that can donate any amount because there are kids waiting right now that can't be rescued until they raise the money. So uh, a friend of mine, Brad Gintz, uh, hopefully you're tuning in. And, uh, you know, he and I have talked about helping to raise $100,000 for you guys in your efforts. And I want to give it up to Brad because he's leading the charge. I'm just tagging along on it and, you know, trying to put a spotlight on on you and aerial recovery and, you know, your your program for the humanitarian special operators and, you know, healing the heroes initiative, but but the actual missions. And so where can people go 
to learn more about you, to learn more about how to donate for these causes, to help rescue these children, to learn more about, you know, just aerial recovery. Yeah. And thank you so much. And and I do, I love that you gave a shout out to Brad Gantz. He's an amazing human being and he's, um, he's really uh, trying to have an impact to this. And you're donating that money from your book and that great success of it. I mean, that's, that's so uh, so impressive and much appreciated coming from my end uh, on the operations side. And well, if you want to learn more about aerial recovery, you can go to aerialrecovery.org. We have all of our information and in our three pillars there. There's a way to donate there too. And I think we actually have a, a special donation link that we'll be attaching to this as well to go and, and try to make it to that hundred thousand. I'm, I'm gonna speak it to make it to that hundred thousand mark and more to fund the operations to save children that are being taken advantage of, raped, abused right now today. And you you said it exactly right, Justin. We know where they are and we don't have the money to go get them. And it breaks my heart every single day. It breaks my wife's We pray about this every night and it, it's difficult to know that they're there and we, we can't we can't always go and get them. And this is a huge issue and it's grown, it's outgrown our means as a as a Locke and Turner family, and it it needs to be as many people that are abusing and are taking advantage. We need to step into the gap, and we need as if many, if not more, that are standing in the way and saying no, like stop. We are protecting our children, and we are doing that at Aerial Recovery. And support is so needed and, and much appreciated. Well, I am just so thankful for the work that you're doing, and honor you for uh, really stepping up and getting into harm's way to save lives. And I think the world of you, I think the world of Brittany, for what you're doing, for what you're creating, the world that you want to live in, you guys are out actively creating it, and uh, it's inspiring. So uh, I just want to challenge everyone. I mean, it's very rare that I am, you know, doing podcasts where I'm trying to help raise money. You know, around Giving Tuesday, there are a couple of things that I have done, and that's it. And outside of that, it's this, and this is the mission that I pour my heart into. And I walk the talk in this one and just really want to encourage everyone else to do the same. So thank you for your time today and for sharing your story, being open, being vulnerable, and exposing us to the wonderful work that you're up to, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much to, to you and your listeners and and the great and amazing impact. And you, you really are, as my wife would put it, a force for good, utilizing success and wealth for the betterment of, of humanity. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing as well. Well, thank you much. And I like to end every podcast episode with a question uh, in the form of action. And I, I might tweak this question a little bit today because, and this is just to the listeners, to the audience, you know, but my question to those of you tuning in here today is normally I ask you what's one step you can take towards financial freedom to like move towards that and, and move to living a life that's truly on your terms, one by design, not default. And today I'll ask that, but I'll also ask what's one thing that you can do to help someone else move not towards financial freedom, but towards just living freedom, just having a piece of freedom back because it was stolen from them and helping them live a life by design and not by default. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, 
but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.